1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
2: Golden, Colorado.
0: Blue Light. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England standing QB, Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. In. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught! Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Kittle, he's gonna go! Touchdown!
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's Kyle Madsen of NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And 95.7, the game in the Bay Area. Kyle, what's the haps? It's a big time of year, Chris. I've started doing my own cold brew at home
3: again. My cold brew coffee. It's one of my favorite things. I'm drinking a tall glass of it right now.
1: Wow, you're going to be energized. You're going to have a crazy Friday night, aren't you? I'm going to be hyped.
3: Yeah, it's more just like so I can stay awake and watch more TV since I don't get a huge opportunity to watch TV during the week right now. Sure. Um, So, yeah, I like to stay up a little later. So I get a little... Kick a Joseph to to keep me going late into the night, and by that I mean like eleven (laughs) o'clock.
1: Sure. So we are uh we are still in the midst of quarantine. Uh I am I am on personally my fourth week of quarantine, so um I have spent a lot of time watching television as you have, diving through NFL draft prospects. And uh we're gonna spend the first half of this podcast we're recording on a Friday for your weekend Doing a first-round mock draft, going through all 32 picks, uh, probably not going to do any trades because that would be complicated and a little bit messy. I think we just want to go through this before we really start digging down into the 49ers and what they're going to do in the NFL draft coming up uh, in the next couple weeks. And the draft is less than two weeks away now, so... um, Next week, we, we are going to be starting our deep dives into the NFL draft and different prospects. For now, we're going to do a first-round mock in the first half of this pod, and then we're going to answer some Twitter questions in the second half. So, uh, Kyle, you you have any any overall draft takes you want to get out of the way before we dive into this mock? I don't. I don't have anything really strong yet. <clears throat> I'm, I'm
3: very bullish. There's a prospect who came up on... Uh, On the Ringer Dynasty football podcast, where Danny Kelly, who we've had on this podcast before, was going through and just kind of talking about some of the running back prospects he liked, and a guy who came up was Antonio Gibson from Memphis. And so I started doing some research on Antonio Gibson, and I am all the way in on the 49ers drafting him sometime on day three.
1: Perfect. Day three takes. I like it. Yeah, man. Um, well, that's uh, that's interesting, and we will certainly have time to dive into that. Hey, before we get started in uh, in this mock draft, yeah. um, do you want to do odds or even picks? Ooh, I will do... Because if you get odds, you get both 49ers selections.
3: Oh, that's a great point. So I'm going to um, leave
1: this up to you.
3: Oh, man, do I want to be pressure? selfish, or do I want to... Hmm? And we're gonna i'll i'll do i'll take i'll I'll do odds um, okay. and we're gonna discuss kind of each pick anyways, so okay, uh it'll be a team effort on those
1: okay, so with that, you are up first with uh with the Cincinnati Bengals and the number one overall pick. I think they need a quarterback here, Kyle. what do you say? I think they're going to take Jerry Judy, wide
3: receiver. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, it's it's Joe Burrow. There's nothing that's really come out uh, over the last. Uh, when did the season end? When did the regular season end? January, uh, December, yeah, end the, December, end of December, December. Yeah. So the last four months that's made me think otherwise. Like usually, if something weird is going to happen in the draft, it starts to come out around the combine. And there's just maybe it's where we're at with Covid nineteen and the lack of travel and stuff, but I've just not heard anything to the contrary that the the Bengals are gonna do anything other than pick Joe burrow, so that's the pick,
1: okay, Washington number two uh Chase Young is a very popular pick here, but I'm gonna go quarterback. I'm gonna go to a tagogo Tagovia- oh, wow. Tongaloa Violoa. yeah, um. I'm gonna go. I'm going to uh, to Washington number two because I I was admittedly a Dwayne Haskins guy, and maybe that's part of my Ohio State bias. What you? But it, it wasn't like planting the flag. Like you know, I I wasn't. It, it wasn't like a, uh, a. I don't even know. I wasn't passionately uh, passionately backing. Backing him when, when he came into the league last year, I, I thought he would get drafted higher than he did, but going to a, um, let's say, dysfunctional organization in Washington, to put it mildly, probably didn't do him any favors, and then there are rumors of him um, not having the, the best work ethic and all of that. Uh, with the new head coach and Ron Rivera, you want to get somebody under center who you can build around from the jump who there are no questions about. I know there's health stuff with Tua, um, but to me, in the long term, I think... You can figure that stuff out later. Uh, you're not going to have an off-season program to worry about as health, so that'll give him more time to heal, theoretically. Uh, so I'm going to go Tua at number two to Washington, wow. which sets up Detroit to be in a pretty good spot.
3: Yeah, Detroit sprints to the podium to take Chase Young. Um, he's just uh, an incredible edge prospect. I haven't watched him a lot just because it, I, I'm he's focused incredible. on what the Niners are doing, but I watched a lot of Ohio State this year. And when a guy in college just jumps off the screen as often as he does, and just so obviously is the best player on the field as often as he is, uh, he's he's the kind of prospect that's got to go really early. And I think the Lions would be very fortunate to have him.
1: To me, he is the best edge prospect since Miles Garrett. Like I think he he had a better his final college season was better than Nick Bosa's. Um, I think he's better than both Bosa brothers. I think he's he's sort of a a hybrid between Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, and uh, he's just super explosive, really really strong, and um and basically impossible to block. And so yeah, I think Chase Young is is going to be really really good, and Detroit uh, would be would be thrilled to get him there at yeah. three. So the New York Giants, the Fighting Dave Gettleman's at number four. Uh, I'm going to go Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker/safety hybrid out of Clemson. Um, their defense needs needs, fic, needs help at all three levels. Uh, Simmons could p- potentially help you at two of those, at linebacker and/or safety. Just in the middle of the field, he's kind of uh, the perfect player for this positionless football revolution. We're, we're sort of, or I guess, evolution. Yeah. We're sort of going through right now. He can cover tight ends. He can cover receivers. Uh, He could probably cover running backs out of the backfield, just a really versatile player that you can plug in the middle of your defense and feel really good about it, particularly if you have a a creative defensive coordinator. Um, So Isaiah Simmons to the Giants at four is a pick. Next up, the Miami Dolphins.
3: So, man, this is difficult.
1: Um, Hmm.
3: You not you having Tua go number two really throws a a wrench into all of this here.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. I they just paid Xavier Howard and they just paid Byron Jones. I I have a hard time believing that they would use the number five pick on Jeff Okuda from Ohio State. Correct. Um. So I'm gonna go with uh, an offensive tackle to start uh, building an offensive line for whenever they do get their quarterback of the future. Okay. Um, cause I, so I, you're I, not
1: going to go quarterback?
3: I, no, I, I, I don't think Justin Herbert is like a top five type of guy, and maybe he winds up going there, and maybe that Tua going two in, in the real draft would would force the team to reach for, for Herbert, but I don't see him going top five. I think the the Dolphins start building their offensive line, and then get Makai Becton here from Louisville. Okay uh you probably saw Becton just dominated the combine he's super athletic he's huge uh so he's going to be the the selection for the Dolphins to start protecting the quarterback they don't have yet
1: (laughs) so I am up uh with the Los Angeles Chargers which is still weird to say um at number six and you mentioned cornerback uh, they did sign Chris Harris, probably somebody who has more value to them in the slot long term. They do have Derwin James, obviously, Casey Hayward, who I believe is getting up there in age. Um, I think right now is the perfect time to go Jeff Okuda, uh, the cornerback from Ohio State, somebody who fits into their scheme well, very, very good in man-to-man coverage, and uh, I think... The Chargers have a ton of talent on defense, and if they do ever get their quarterback situation squared away uh, with Phillip Rivers leaving, they could be a dangerous team in the AFC because I like the talent that they have on their roster. Um, But I'm going to forego quarterback for them, and I'm going to go Okuda uh, to shore up an already talented secondary. Okay. So Carolina's at seven. Did you like that? Carolina? You said what? No, never mind.
3: Go go ahead. Carolina, hmm. Man, they just signed Teddy Bridgewater. They lost LaShawn
1: McCoy. Um. Wait, what? Not sorry, not Gerald LaShawn. McCoy. Gerald. McCoy. <laughs> uh.
3: Yeah, I think, and they they traded for Russell Okung. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: let's go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the beaten path here a little bit. I'm gonna go Javon Kinlaw wow, from okay. South Carolina. Okay,
1: potential maybe, 49ers guy.
3: Maybe a touch of a reach here. Uh, Derek Brown from Auburn is another popular pick at this spot. Uh, but I like I like Kinlaw. I think Kinlaw is gonna be a really really good player. Um, so I'm going I'm going with him at this spot as as the Panthers try and uh, rebuild their defense.
1: Okay, Arizona Cardinals at number eight. Uh, I am pulling up their depth chart because I just want to be sure about this. Yeah, so I am going to go Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn. So we have two defensive tackles going back-to-back at seven and eight. Um, I mean, Jordan Phillips is their nose tackle right now. They do have Corey Peters. Uh Zach Allen is a is another defensive lineman that they have. I, I think getting somebody like Brown to push the pocket, uh while he might not be the the same kind of athletic pass rusher that Kinlaw is, Brown is much more of the the um physical brute force pocket pusher, guy who wins the sure. power, stops the run, and I think would be a really, really good compliment on the inside to somebody like Chandler Jones. So uh Derek Brown at eight to wreak to wreak havoc, as they say on the inside, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals as they look to shore up their defense to play opposite Kyler Murray uh, and Cliff Kingsbury's offense. So we got Jacksonville up at number nine.
3: Uh, yeah, Jacksonville is they 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 badly need help on that offensive line. I'm gonna go. Let's see. I'm gonna go Tristan Wirfs at this spot for them. Okay. Uh, Tristan like Wirfs. Might be the best tackle prospect in the draft. I know I took in earlier to Miami, but I really like Werfs. Uh, I think he's one of those just kind of like mean, nasty guys who winds up playing for 15 years and makes 10 Pro Bowls. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Werfs to Jacksonville tonight.
1: Another guy that we've talked about with the 49ers because of their affinity for. Uh, Iowa players, and also the fact that he could probably play guard right away before eventually moving to tackle. Yeah. Um, so, interesting pick for the Jags. For Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to go Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle mm. from Alabama. Uh, he played on the right side for the Crimson Tide, can probably play on the left side for the Browns. They had issues along the offensive line last year. Um. I think this is uh, a pretty easy selection for them and yeah. um, and a, probably a good one because they do have playmakers on offense for sure in terms of you know pass catchers and targets for Baker Mayfield. They have really talented running backs. They could probably use some help on defense too um, and maybe a cornerback, but I think Wills solidifying one of their tackle spots would be a, a strong move for them. So we are up to now uh, the New York... Jets at 11. And what's interesting about this, Kyle, is that we don't have any receivers off the board yet. Yeah, and so I think that's. So, with, with me taking yeah. Wills, sorry, with, with me taking Wills, we have assured that the 49ers will have a shot at CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs, potentially, uh, with the Jets up at 11.
3: Yeah, and I think that's what winds up happening in the actual draft. I think that we get here the the big the big wrench in that that could potentially help the 49ers is if one of the offensive linemen either Wills Werfs or Becton, uh, falls to the Jets because they need some help protecting Sam Darnold and it would be it would make a lot of sense if they did that at eleven instead of adding a wide receiver. So, uh, with all those tackles off the board, though, and and all three of the receivers at their disposal, I think they take CD Lamb from Oklahoma. Um, oh, yeah. wow. You you made the case last week uh, for why you're not a big CD Lamb guy. But not, I just
1: not for the 49ers
3: right and that's and that's exactly what I was gonna get at. So the jets just need anybody i <laughs> I, I think is uh, I, I had him on my fantasy team and I can't think of his name right now uh, Jamison Crowder sure Th- I, that's the only one of their receivers I can name So
1: they lost but, Robbie Anderson right yeah
3: they did they sure did. So I'm going with uh, with CD lamb at this spot. Because he's just he has the look and the build of a number one receiver, which is what the Jets need. He can he has the tools to be a high volume type of guy. Um, he's good after the catch. I I just I I think he's going to be the top receiver on a lot of teams' boards, and so I think the Jets take
1: him. Interesting, I like it. So now I have to climb into the mind of John Gruden and Mike Mayock picking number i I'm a 12. football guy. Picking number 12 with both Alabama receivers on the board So this is really an ideal scenario for the 49ers Uh, I think you and I would agree going into this The fact that Ruggs and Judy are both on the board for the Raiders at 12 Leaving one of them to the Niners at 13 I think both of them fit for the Niners Um, So, I'm thinking, and I don't want to be Oh, to hurt yourself I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be patronizing to to Niners fans and just have Jerry Judy fall to to thirteen because right. I do want to warn people that it's um that I do think like it's not very likely that Judy does last for thirteen or last to 13. but when I think of the Raiders and I think of Al Davis and somebody who just loves speed more than anything else um. If you're going to open up things for, for Derek Carr and create a vertical passing game to complement all of the checking down that he loves to do, uh, I think Henry Ruggs is somebody who could really offer you that dynamic in terms of stretching the defense. Uh, Andy falls perfectly in line with what Al Davis would do here and just take the fastest possible receiver, a his decision to go with Darius hayward Bay over Michael Crabtree back in 2009. Right. Uh, so I think Mark Davis is, is the apple's not going to fall from, far from the tree here, and I know this is John Gruden and Mike Mayock's pick, uh, but I think they're going to go with speed first because Ruggs would complement um, the running back they took in the first round last year, also from Alabama. So Josh I think they're going to go Ruggs at 12, uh, leaving the 49ers with a uh, with a pretty ideal scenario. Uh, here at thirteen. So Henry Rux of the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, which is still super weird to well, say. I just wrote oak
3: on my thing. They are no longer oak. <laughs> it's fine. Uh,
0: one
3: one thing I do want to push back a little bit when you talk about the Raiders drafting speed, and maybe I mean may, maybe you're right. Uh, that's a guy that they love, and and they go that way. I could totally see Mayock though really pounding the table for Judy especially considering what Amari Cooper has done since since they traded him to to Dallas I I really think that a player like that could be effective for for Derek Carr a guy who can create a ton of space in a short window uh Carr does not throw the ball down the field very often or did not and maybe that's an argument for rugs you know they want somebody who can stretch the field and, and be a deep target for him um no, but uh, for, for the Niners, uh, I think that's an easy pick. If Judy's not available, I could see them maybe trying to move back or something. But somebody on Twitter, I wish I could remember who said it, uh, because it, it, it's very true. So this is not a Kyle original thought. Uh, but somebody said he's like if Kyle Shanahan built a receiver in a lab. Right. And it, it, it's, a, I think, a really perfect fit alongside Debo Samuel. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm going Jerry Judy with with relative ease.
1: Okay, Jerry Judy, 49ers at number thirteen. I think everybody would be pretty happy with that. I think if you were to uh, if you were to get 49ers fans to vote on who they would be most happy with at thirteen, I think Judy would be that guy. Yeah, I think that's right. So we uh, we have successfully patronized and 49ers fans <laughs> by getting the player that they want. Uh, all right, so... Please
3: subscribe to the podcast if you have not known. Uh, well, and here's the other thing with that. Just with... It, that's not even one of those things because Kinlaw did go earlier. Um, all of the the top three tackles that Wills, Wirfs, and, and Becton trio were, were all off the board. So that wasn't even one of those ones where it's like a, a difficult decision on whether, uh, you know, they go, oh, best tackle available or best defensive lineman available or like that's the ideal case for for san francisco where the decision is essentially made for them
1: yeah um another guy so so the reason why i bring this guy's name up uh i'm gonna go andrew thomas the offensive tackle from georgia at 14 and i've thought about him as sort of the guy that might not be getting a whole lot of attention but could really seriously be in play for the 49ers at 13 um, because like I said I, I am not sure that Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs will be available when they pick at 13 and sure. I, I you know what what I learned in 2018 when the 49ers surprised everybody and took Mike McGlinchey was that it's important to consider all scenarios and all positions right and the guy that sort of stands out for me is Andrew Thomas uh, because I do think he could play guard. I think he's he's a good run blocker and he could eventually play tackle. He was uh a very had a very successful career at Georgia, a 3-year starter. Um but I have him going to the Bucks here in our mock because we got Judy to the 49ers at 13. So Andrew Thomas is going to protect Tom Brady uh because if you're Tampa Bay and you have a glaring need on the offensive line and you have all those pass catchers, the best thing you could possibly do is find a premier pass protector for Tom Brady. So Andrew Thomas, uh, tackle from Georgia for the Buccaneers at 14. Okay. Uh, the Broncos, they could use help at both
3: receiver and corner. Um, as much as I like C.J. Henderson here, I think I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson from LSU. Interesting. In a little bit of a surprise uh, but like I said, the Broncos are, are going to probably try and get Drew Locke as much help as humanly possible. The run on Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb earlier in the draft didn't help them out a ton at this spot. Uh, maybe they go, like I said, maybe they go C.J. Henderson because they think he's he's a better player uh, at 15. But um, best receiver available for the Broncos, I'm going with Justin Jefferson out of LSU.
1: All right, so now if I'm the Atlanta Falcons picking at number 16, I'm pretty pumped with with how this is all worked out uh, because I land a cornerback uh, for a secondary that badly needs an infusion of talent. So I'm taking CJ Henderson, cornerback from Florida, really really good in man coverage, maybe not uh, maybe not great in zone coverage, although he played predominantly man at Florida. Um a lot of people talk about Henderson of the 49ers. I don't know if that fits necessarily with with how much zone they play. I know they do play a lot of man um in uh you know in, in on first and second or sorry, on third down they play a lot of man coverage, but I think the 49ers are still pretty staunch in that they like zone corners and if they're going to invest a first round pick in a corner, they want somebody who fits what they want perfectly. So Um, CJ Henderson, cornerback for the Falcons, uh, at 16, I think that's a good pick for them.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so, too, and I feel like every year for my entire life, um, the Falcons have never had a good defense. (laughs) Sure. Like, I know their defense is okay the year they went to the Super Bowl, um, but, it just that that makes a lot of sense I think because I think CJ Henderson is going to be is going to be a fine player.
1: So you're up with Dallas at 17. Kayla
3: uh, Kaylavon Chason from LSU is going to go to the Cowboys at 17. Uh, they they need some help rushing the passer and I think he is the best edge rusher available. And he's a guy who can step in and and I think be a be a pretty good player for them right away, as we saw with the Niners last year. Edge players are uh, so important to a defense, and they lost one of their top corners in Byron Jones. And so helping out the corner or the uh, the secondary rather, helping out the secondary with a good pass rush is probably going to be the way the the Cowboys have to go if they really like a cornerback here and want to want to replace Jones. I could see that. Uh, but I think pass rush is where it all starts, and so I think uh, Von
1: Chason is going to be the guy. So if you're Miami uh, at 18, which I am at the moment, I'm pretty juiced about how this has all worked out because we've only had one quarterback go uh, in the first 17 picks, and that was first overall to Joe Burrow. So if I'm Miami at 18, if I can get Justin Herbert without having to trade up, um, I know yeah. they have a whole ton of picks. They have three first-round picks this year. Their next one coming up at 26. If they can land their quarterback without having to give up any draft picks in terms of in, in terms of trading, like if they can draft if they can pick three guys in the first round and get their quarterback at 18, um, yeah, I think I think that's huge for them. So I'm going to go Justin Herbert at 18 for the Dolphins. Uh, and I'm pretty happy with that because having three first-round picks or being able to add two other position players while still getting your quarterback at 18 is a good way to build the roster, and, uh, and you'd have to be pretty happy with that. So you're up with the Raiders again with their second pick at 19. I believe this is one of their first-rounders they got in the Khalil Mack trade.
3: Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, the Raiders need help all over their defense. I, hmm. I'm going to go. I'm trying to a, pick a couple real nice
1: players here, real nice yeah, prospects I think, available for them right here.
3: So I'm I'm a big fan of of safety play. Okay, and I think that I think that good safety play can really just completely alter uh, a defense. We saw how important Jimmy Ward was for the Niners last year, but uh, you can you can look just historically. Um, I feel like there's never been a great safety who's played on a bad defense. Sure. Uh, So I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney from Alabama here for the Raiders. Uh, he's kind of a do-everything safety, but he's super athletic. Um, He was a guy that a lot of people had going to the 49ers at 31 in early mocks, and he's going to go earlier than that here. I have him going 19 to the Raiders. He's more of a best player available type of thing. Uh, for Oakland but he does fit a need in their secondary and I like that I, I, I like that fit there
1: sorry that was McKinney? yes Okay. Um, interesting alright so I'm picking for Jacksonville their second first round pick uh, and they have needs at every level of the defense uh, they lost uh, or they traded away Calais Campbell to the Baltimore Ravens which is a really nice trade for the Ravens
0: yeah, wild.
1: Um, Fifth round pick. So they could use an interior defensive lineman. They could probably use an edge player because Yannick Ngakwe sounds like he's on his way out. They could certainly use a receiver here. Um, But... Alright, I think I'm going to go with Ross Blacklock here. Actually, you know what? No. no, 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 no. no, oh, I'm not okay, doing that. Okay. Ooh, I'm gonna okay. get. Oh, I'm gonna man. get even sexier. Oh, um, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. Jordan Love, the quarterback
0: oh. from Utah
1: State. Uh, we're gonna have oh, a Jordan wow. Love, Gardner Minshew, uh, battle royale for that starting job. Um, I think Jacksonville is a sneaky a sneaky quarterback sleeper. And the fact that they didn't get a quarterback with uh, their ninth overall pick, with you having them take Tristan Wirfs, I think Jordan Love to the Jags here uh, would be a nice pick for them because they don't necessarily have to start him right away. Although they would be passing up on a chance to to reinvigorate the defense with some talent. But uh, Jordan Love at twenty, I think, is good value, and uh, and I like that pick for them. Okay, so you're up with Philadelphia twenty-first. Okay, um, unless you have a Jordan Love take, I feel like you had a Jordan Love take. No, no, I don't really have a Jordan Love take. Uh,
3: I, I think that the, I think the Jags probably give Minshew another season before using a first round pick on a on a quarterback. But I, I could be wrong. If they're in love with Jordan Love, uh, then then I could certainly see him going that direction.
1: All right, before we get to the Eagles pick, let's take a quick break. So currently, with no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online at BetOnline. So use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, Kyle, so you're up now with pick number 21 in our Candlestick Chronicles first-round mock draft. Uh, Who you got? Going to the Eagles. Going to the Eagles. So... The
3: Eagles have needs on in the secondary and at receiver. Those are two spots that I feel like every time I watched an Eagles game last year, they were rolling out new players that I had never heard of in my life, which is never great. <laughs> um, I think they're going to go with the best wide receiver available, though, which I think is Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. 21 might be a little bit early for him, but just the way this draft has shaken out, I, I think that that's the best player available who can help the Eagles right away. He can stretch the field vertically, but he's also good underneath. He's good after the catch. Just a guy that you get the ball in his hands, and, uh, and he's a home run threat. I think he could really help Carson Wentz in the Eagles offense. So he's who I'm going with at 21.
1: I like it. So I am up now with the Minnesota Vikings, picking at 22. Of course, the Niners house the Vikings in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, so you trade Stephon Diggs, your guy, Stephon Diggs, to Love the Stephon Buffalo Diggs. Bills. Uh, and that leaves a pretty gaping hole in your offense for Kirk Cousins. So you went with Ayuk. Philadelphia and we might start seeing a run on receivers here um I'm trying to find the best fit for what they want to do and I don't know that there's a perfect fit here for them but I do really like Jalen Rager from TCU an explosive guy I know Eric Crocker on our podcast sort of looked at him like a uh another version of Debo Samuel, maybe somebody who's not quite as big, but maybe a little bit more explosive. Um, I've watched Rager. I, I think he's good. I think he needs to go to the right offensive coach. I'm not entirely sure what the Vikings' offense is going to look like now that Kevin Stefanski, their offensive coordinator, is a head coach of the Browns. But I'm going to go with Rager. Uh, because you lose Stefan Diggs, um, I know you could probably go cornerback here because they do need help in the secondary. Uh, but I'm going to go Jalen Rager because uh, they need to help Kirk Cousins. Because if Cousins doesn't play well, they really have no shot at, at really contending like they want to. So I'm trying to get him another weapon. Okay. I can dig that. So you are up with the Patriots at number 23.
3: I'm so fascinated by the wide receivers in this draft.
1: Yeah. We've had... Let's there are see, so many different at? kinds.
3: One, two... Is that the fifth receiver off the board?
1: One, two, By pick 22. Yes. yes. Six.
3: Man, that's, that's six, six. Jeez. Uh, okay, so the Patriots are up. I can see them trying to add an offensive playmaker here with all the quarterbacks, at least all the top quarterbacks, off the board. Uh, they probably wait on that position another year or at least another round. I think this is just the best player available type of thing. Patrick Queen from LSU, the linebacker. is still sitting on the board. I think he probably, in the actual draft, goes a lot sooner than this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's just one of those guys that, like, he gets labeled as undersized, but that's just kind of the direction we're heading with linebackers now. It's more like a bunch of strong safeties running around in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. And I think Queen is just one of those guys that is going to be a chess piece in Belichick's defense where... He covers tight ends and running backs and can run with receivers over the middle like we saw Fred Warner do so effectively uh this year and I think Queen can step in and be a really good player
1: for a long time for them. I like it. That's uh that's bill bill check in. Um, going going with the talented linebacker uh, there. Honestly, right.
3: the, the Patriot thing there is the trade down. but
1: Yeah, <laughs> this is a trade-free uh, mock draft. So with the Saints at number 24, they solve their receiver need by signing Emmanuel Sanders away from the 49ers. They already have Michael Thomas. Uh, you can make an argument that they would need help along the interior of the offensive line. So why not go with Cesar Ruiz, the center from oh. Michigan... Um, I don't know if he'll play guard I think he only played center at Michigan So there might be a little bit of a transition there But I think he'd probably be just fine uh, Play sure. him at one of the guard spots Improve the interior of your line And uh, and that's the type of pick I think that a team with a loaded roster With you know, very few needs And no real obvious quarterback of the future Available right now I think Ruiz is somebody who can help Get you back to where you want to be Which is contending in the NFC yeah,
3: yeah, and that's one of those that's one of those picks that I feel like people go, "Wow, what are they doing?" And then Ruiz just quietly makes a dozen Pro Bowls, <laughs> right? Uh, Vikings up next at twenty-five. Jalen Johnson from Utah falls into their lap here. They need help at cornerback really badly. If you miss the NFL, uh, the NFL, uh, the NFC divisional playoff last year uh, against the Niners. Uh, they they got run all over, but they really struggled to to cover in that game. Uh, and then they lost Xavier Rhodes in in free agency, or they cut Xavier Rhodes, I guess. So uh, Jalen Johnson from Utah, big athletic corner, uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be the pick.
1: All right, so now I am back with the Dolphins' third pick of the first round. They went Becton. The left tackle from Louisville at 5, and mm-hmm. then they got Justin Herbert all the way down at 18. So at 26, I'm going to go another premium position, and this is a guy that probably got some discussion um, with the 49ers, maybe early on in the draft prospect draft process before he got hurt. That's Colorado receiver LaVisca Chenault, and I oh, think he would be the perfect, perfect complement to Devontae Parker, who broke out last season with 1,000 yards, uh, more of a stretch-of-the-field vertical threat. I think Chenault is somebody who's a lot like Debo Samuel, which has been talked about ad nauseum, who you can just give the ball to in the quick game, handoffs, jet sweeps, uh, whatever, somebody who's really nasty with the ball in his hands. So you're looking at, for the Dolphins, addressing three premium positions in the first round with their picks in Becton, Herbert, and now Chenault, and you're starting to see the uh, the foundation for what could be a really interesting roster going forward.
3: Yeah, especially with Devontae Parker being as good as he was toward the end of last season. Uh, I think Chenault's a great fit there. If the 49ers had a Devontae Parker-type receiver fall to them, they would take him because it would make sense across from Debo Samuel. So this is kind of the opposite right. uh, of that. 27. I have the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, The Seahawks are going to go with Penn State defensive lineman Yetur Gross Matos. Uh, I watched a couple of Penn State games this year and like I talked about with Chase Young and obviously not as dominant as Chase Young but Gross Matos just made probably 10 or a dozen plays in those two games where it was just really clear, like, oh, that guy's that guy's like a first-round pick. That guy's a pro. Um, and, and I think that that's the kind of player that the Seahawks take and uh, put into their really good infrastructure and make him a, a really good player. So, uh, Gross Matos from Penn State goes to the Seahawks at 27.
1: All right, so 28. I am uh, going to do something that feels very... The Baltimore Ravens are on the clock. And I'm yes. going to do something that feels very Baltimore Raven-esque. Okay. And I'm going to go with A.J. Epinesa, the Iowa edge rusher for them, because he can play all over the line. The Ravens are one of those defensive fronts that might be one of the most versatile in the league, yeah. uh, just in terms of all the different looks that they give you. And I think Epinesa would be a great fit for them. He could play on the edge. He can play on the inside. Um and uh, I, he's a very talented player. He doesn't have traits that really, like, you know, he's, he's not a combine guy. He certainly didn't test very well, but his production speaks for itself. Um, he's a power player, not really a a bender along the edge who's super explosive. But I think he would be really, really good, particularly now with playing alongside Calais Campbell in that defensive front. So I'm going Epinesa from Iowa to the Ravens at 28. Now you have Tennessee, and you're a big Titans guy. At one huge
3: guys. Titans guy.
1: Yeah, so you're you got to be really familiar with where what what they need. Yeah, the um,
3: yeah, they've had a few edge rushers here not quite work out. They signed uh, Cameron Wake last year, but he looks like he's going to retire. Um, I'm gonna go with the best edge player available. I think they're hoping that a player like Gross Matos falls to them. Uh, I'm going with Marlon Davis from Auburn. It might be a little bit of a reach here, uh, but it's just it's their top need. They unless they wind up signing Jadavian Clowney, they haven't yet. Uh, I, I think that that Marlon Davis from uh Auburn is, is the pick here. Uh he's he's maybe not the typical like super athletic bendy edge rusher type of guy. Uh but I think that he's just a really solid player who Mike Vrabel and, and that defense will get get the most out of. So the Titans reach a little bit to, to fit their biggest need, but the way the draft is shaken out hasn't been great for them. Uh so they did what they had to do at this spot.
1: All right, so I'm up with the Green Bay Packers, who got housed by the 49ers in the NFC title game. They need a receiver. I'm going to go with somebody who I could see fitting very well with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and that's Denzel Mims. And we already have the visual, having played at Baylor with the green and yellow uniforms. I think Mims <laughs> would, uh, would be a nice fit for them. I know Eric Crocker thinks he's a little stiff, but he is very athletic. He tested his he tested very well, as well as any receiver, really, in terms of just uh, when you're talking about size and speed. I think he in a four three eight, and he's like six three and um, two hundred and ten pounds, something like that. I think he would be a nice get for Aaron Rodgers as he's uh, a- approaching the twilight of his career, or is in the twilight of his career. So, Mims. To the Packers at 31. So the 49ers are at 30, sorry. So the 49ers are at 31, having watched uh, seven receivers come off the board already, but they did land theirs in Jerry Judy at 13. So which direction are you going with the 49ers at 31 here? So I want to
3: hash this out with you a little bit. Okay. So I also. Hmm. I'm going back on my on my Titans pick now. I think I botched that. Anyways, uh, that's why I'm not a GM. They probably should have taken an offensive lineman, and they probably should have taken one of the offensive linemen that I'm looking at for the Niners. Uh, either Josh Jones from Houston or, um, or Austin Jackson from USC, both offensive tackles. The Titans lost Jack Conklin uh, in free agency, so... If the draft shakes out this way, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go that route. Anyways, if you're the Niners at this spot, are you looking best corner available, best defensive lineman available? Where where would you go if you were the Niners right now?
1: I would probably go with one of the tackles, um, because depending on, I mean, depending on your board and I'm not going to pretend like I I made my own board. But Mm -hmm. um, I think Jones is going to end up being somebody who's drafted higher than uh, a lot of the draft experts on the Internet Mm -hmm. expect him to go. And I think tackle is an extremely valuable position, obviously. Um, And the offensive line, just in general, having a hole at right guard at the moment is a more pressing need. I know you don't really like to draft for need, But I think you can justify a tackle here pretty easily, particularly if you feel confident that that guy can play guard in the meantime. Um, And then you could replace Joe Staley potentially with somebody who's already experienced um, having played a year in the NFL, assuming Staley comes back next season, and I do think he will. Um, So I would go with uh, Jones from Houston probably if I'm making this pick, but... It's more likely they trade back, but there's also Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, who I think would also be a really, really good pick and a really good scheme fit for the 49ers at 31. Um, So if I'm making the pick, though, it's probably Jones, because you're still really a year away from having a major need at quarterback, whereas um, the tackle might be a more... It's hard to say. I mean, you can go back and forth with it. I would take Jones from... From Houston right here, if I were making the pick for you, but it is uh, it is your pick, so... Okay, uh, I'm going to go with
3: Austin Jackson from USC. Okay. He's still just 20 years old. Um, according to Daniel Jeremiah, um, I admittedly have not watched a ton of Austin Jackson, but according to uh, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, he needs to get stronger, but he's still just 20. So the Niners here can afford to take him and effectively groom him moving forward. Uh, I don't know if he can play guard. I'm doubting it. Uh, But if this is the best value, which I think it is, at a position of need and a position of potentially big need uh, next year, if Joe Staley decides uh, to hang him up, Jackson could, could wind up filling in there. So I'm going with Austin Jackson from USC. I
1: like it. All right, so 32 with the Kansas City Chiefs, who the 49ers played against uh, in February in Miami, I don't know if you didn't if you saw that or not, what? but you could probably find replays somewhere on, on Game Pass. Um, I'm going to go with TCU's Ross Blacklock here because uh, isn't he already gone? No, I think I talked about him earlier. No, he's not gone. Man, I really botched this. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fine. Um, a lot of bad decisions are made in the NFL, so you missing one of of sixteen is is um, is fine. But well, I would have I blacklock would would have been the Niners' pick. Had I known, anyways, keep going. Well, okay, I mean there, yeah, we'll we'll have other opportunities to discuss pick thirty one. But uh, I'm going to go blacklock for the Chiefs at thirty two. Chris Jones is on the franchise tag, um, so. There's a scenario where this is his last year with the Chiefs, so Blacklock presumably could come in um, and play alongside him for a year, and then eventually replace him if that's the direction the Chiefs decide to go. If not, if you keep um, if you keep Chris Jones and you have Blacklock, that's a pretty awesome uh, couple of interior pass rushers that you have to to complement a really explosive passing offense on the other side. So you do need a pass rush, and, and pairing him with Frank Clark. I think would be really, really nice. So um, Ross Blacklock for the Chiefs at 32. So that is our first round. Let me go through this as fast as possible. So you have uh, Burrow to Cincy, Tua to Washington, Chase Young to Detroit, Isaiah Simmons to New York, Makai Beckton to Miami, Jeff Okuda to the Chargers, Javon Kinlaw to Carolina, uh, Derek Brown to Arizona, Tristan Wirfs to Jacksonville, Jedrick Wills to Cleveland, CeeDee Lamb to the Jets, Henry Ruggs to the Raiders. Jerry Judy to the Niners at 13. uh, Andrew Thomas to Tampa Bay. Justin Jefferson to Denver. C.J. Henderson to Atlanta. uh, Chasen to Dallas. Justin Herbert to Miami. Xavier McKinney to the Raiders. Jordan Love to Jacksonville. Brandon Ayuk to Philadelphia. Jalen Rager to Minnesota. uh, Queen to New England. Ruiz to New Orleans. uh, Jalen Johnson to Minnesota. LaVisca Chenault to Miami. Uh, Gross Matos to Seattle, Epinesa to Baltimore, Um, you went with uh, the Auburn pass rusher whose name Marlon Davidson, uh, Denzel Mims to Green Bay, Austin Jackson to San Francisco and Ross Blacklock to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. So what do you think? How do we do?
3: I think I did terrible. (laughs) <laughs> I
1: think you did fine. I
3: think uh, you did no, fine. There's, Marlon there's, Davidson there's, might
1: be fine. That, that's, I mean, they they have a need on the edge. That's that's fine.
3: Ten things I would have done differently. Now <laughs> it's fine. It's all fine.
1: I think there's a, uh, I, there's I a very also strong chance the Niners move back from 31. I think that's my main takeaway. That we
3: yeah, really address, yeah. But. I also think that Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma probably goes in the first round, right? Um, the linebacker, but yeah, no. It's fun to go through and.
1: Okay, so with that, let's let's quickly uh, answer some questions on Twitter, and uh, we don't have these set up, so I'm just going to go through the old responses oh, great. and see what we got. Um, all right, used goat asks, do we have to question the Emmanuel Sanders trade at this point because we used our fourth rounder? Um, imagine what we could have gotten from the Texans. He puts in parentheses. Also, can we get the Texans' remaining second and or third? For just our 2021 fourth. (laughs) Um, I doubt that because typically you you lose value um, when you get picks into the future. So like the Niners, for example, uh, was it, yeah, it was 2017. They traded away a third round pick for a 2018 second, which they wound up using to trade up for Dante Pettis. But the point was... Because the pick was a year in advance, they were able to jump around. So they got a second for a third straight up, which is a, which is a good trade. But the uh, the Saints wound up using that pick on um, on what's his name? Their star running back, whose name is uh, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. There we go. Sometimes I brain fart, which is fine. Um, so no, the Niners are not going to trade. They don't have a second or third or they they're not going to trade their fourth I should say for the uh, the Texans second or third that's that's not going to happen as as much as uh I disagree with the way Bill O'Brien has handled his GM duties in Houston I don't think that's going to happen um do you question the Emmanuel Sanders trade because I no. don't because it basically No they got they got they got to the Super Bowl. to win the Super Bowl
3: Yeah like the the it's process over results right like they got to the Super Bowl and they were 6 minutes away from winning it and had they gotten one or two more first downs or one stop on third and 15, uh, th- nobody's even questioning the Emmanuel Sanders trade. So I, I think that, uh, that my cat is sneezing. If you can hear that in the background. Bless um, you. D- he, Chris said, bless you, cat. He didn't say anything. Which, cat uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen Perry. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's a trade. If, if, if You could tell an NFL team, hey, you can trade your third and fourth round pick this year to be in the Super Bowl. Every team is doing it. Right. Every time. That's just every time.
1: Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's passer rating during the first, I'm doing this off the top of my head because I've written it so many times, his passer rating during the first, uh, what, six games was like 89, and then over the last 10 after Sanders was added, it was like 108. And it was, I believe, the second highest in the league, second or third highest in the league. Um, so if Garoppolo had Sanders throughout the entire season, he would have had probably a top five statistical year from a quarterback perspective, um, particularly if he, if he was able to cut down on interceptions. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I would make that Emmanuel Sanders trade 10 times out of 10 because it got to, it helped get the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Uh, next question, Randy wants to know, why would 49ers fans want Javon Kinlaw he couldn't participate in the Senior Bowl. One month later, he couldn't participate in the Combine. Don't need a developmental prospect hanging out with D4 during practice with the same knee issue. Um, Strong. Yeah, that's a take for sure. Uh, I disagree with it because I think that being able to participate in the Combine, um, like, I. I don't think you you scrap five years of a player because he decided to sit out the Senior Bowl in the Combine. Like, I don't know what Javon Kinlaw really had to prove. From what I understand, he went to the Senior Bowl and was
3: so good, he went, fuck this, I'm going home.
1: Okay. That, that- sounds, yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I think Kinlaw is very much in the picture there for the 49ers. In our mock draft, we just did. He went seventh to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think he's really really good. I think he's the closest player to DeForest Buckner in the draft. Um I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Buckner was, but I think Kinlaw is really really good. And uh and a knee injury that kept him from participating in the combine isn't going to scare me away from potentially having him at the on the interior of your defensive line for for five seasons if you take him there at 13. Um even if he's Eighty
3: percent the player DeForest Buckner was, like that's that's huge for San Francisco.
1: Yeah, and you have you and I have mentioned this a lot. Like it is important to keep this your strengths your strengths right. Yeah. So like yes, if uh, if your if your roster is built around the strength of your defensive line and you have a ton of defensive linemen, you want to make sure that that is still a strength of your team if other guys get hurt. So like say Eric Armstead were to get hurt. I know you have a lot of offensive line talent or, or defensive line talent already, but like it's it's good to reinforce it so you don't have to change the way you play just because one guy is hurt. So that's why teams that don't have needs at certain positions will reinforce them with early picks in the draft. And uh, so for me, I would have zero problem with the Niners taking Javon Kinlaw. I think he would be a great pick um, and an instant impact kind of guy. And so, uh, yeah, I don't agree with Randy's take. Um, Isaac wants to know Isaac's my middle name by the way I have an Isaac tattoo um, I didn't know that in in Hebrew yeah so uh, Isaac asks what exactly landed Dante Pettis in the doghouse was it drops was he not performing in practice either Um, so I made the mistake so I'm going to take a step back here Um, training camp is sometimes hard to evaluate it's hard to evaluate individual players based on what's happening at training camp because sometimes guys, you watch them practice and they dominate, they jump off the field, and it's just very obvious. And Nick Bosa was that guy, right? And, like, sometimes, like, George Kittle, for example, isn't somebody who just completely dominates practice at training camp because, honestly, he doesn't get a whole lot of reps. Um, He's not somebody who gets, like, five catches, you know, that all go for 50 yards during practice. He'll, he'll sprinkle in some catches here and there, but it's not like... George Kittle is out there lighting up the practice field, and I'm sure he's throwing good blocks and things like that, but um, it's not always apparent who's doing well and who isn't. So for me, I was watching Dante Pettis at training camp, and while Jimmy Garoppolo struggled to get passes to Pettis, I was still watching him, and he was able to create separation and looked like he was a more refined player um, than he was as a rookie. But the issue was is he didn't have any chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo, And when Garoppolo did target him, uh, it just seemed like Pettis wasn't playing with a whole lot of urgency. And so I actually made the mistake of tweeting, like, at some point during the offseason, or before the start of the regular season, like, I'm not super worried about Dante Pettis because I still think he's getting better. Um, But there were signs that maybe I missed that Pettis would take a step back. And I know other people were more hip to that idea than I was. Um, And then I think really what happened, the play that is emblematic of, of Dante Pettis being in the doghouse was the overtime play against the Seahawks where it was that last drive in overtime. I think it was a first or second down play. It was a slant route. He didn't run through contact. He kind of short armed the ball and it fell incomplete. It was the, it was the, the game the 49ers lost in overtime to the Seahawks because they couldn't get a first down there on that final drive. And Pettis is, Pettis not making that completion and running through the ball and, and completing his route and running through contact right. was the issue. And then, of course, Pettis basically fell out of the receiver rotation after that. So I think it's a competitive toughness thing with Pettis. Um, I think there's maybe a lack of urgency. I don't know how much he loves football. Like, he's not, um, you know, that's not to say, I, I don't want to say he doesn't love football because that's, that's a, pretty harsh thing to accuse a player of but like in terms of like football guys if i were to make a list of football guys on the 49ers roster um pettis wouldn't be near the top of the list i guess that's that's the best the best way to that i could say it and the production sort of speaks for itself so that's that's to me is why pettis has fallen out of favor uh with kyle shanahan and i think uh maybe confidence is an issue but um you know, we'll have to see. I think Pettis is probably the guy in the roster that's that's hurt most by there not being an off season program because if he was going to endear himself to the coaching staff, uh and frankly the the strength staff, Pettis could have come in, you know, with ten pounds of muscle and remade his body and, and been a lot stronger and maybe that would have been a way for him to to uh you know, re-endear himself I guess to Kyle Shanahan, but he's not going to have that opportunity at least until training camp. So um that's whatever that is. In my yeah, that's in my opinion why Pettis uh is in the doghouse. Um all right. So Josh asks, "Will the Niners trade?" I want
3: to say something about Dante Pettis. Go for it. Uh I'm buying all the Dante Pettis stock right now cuz I feel like it's really cheap <laughs> buying what <laughs> Uh yeah. Okay. No, I just I, I think he showed enough in his rookie season in that five game stint. It was like, man, this, that that's a he's good at football, and I'm going to ride that train until uh, until the wheels fall off, and the wheels may fall off this off season. Like uh, last year wasn't super promising, uh, but people were ready to punt on Eric Armstead. People were ready to punt on Akella Witherspoon. Uh, sometimes guys just take a couple years, and if he can't come in this off season or or whenever this training camp is, and and put together a really strong training camp, then then you know then I'll be worried. But uh, yeah.
1: All right, we are over the hour mark in this pod, so we're gonna take one last question on here. Um, Josh, uh, Josh asks, will the Niners trade up in the draft from thirteen? If so, what would be the prize? Their pick at any of the three receivers or somebody else. Um, I would be shocked if the 49ers moved up from 13. Maybe they decide to trade some 2021 picks to move up. Um, And if they do that, I don't know how far they would get because I don't think they're going to trade their first-round pick in 2021. Maybe they say, we really, really want our pick of receivers, so we'll trade our second um, and a bunch of other stuff. But, I mean, they need more picks in this draft, so yes. trading up doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think their roster is really good still. Um, but guys who I think they might consider trading up for, um, if Javon Kinlaw is expected to go earlier than 13, I think he's a candidate. Um, I think Tristan Wirfs is still, I've said it multiple times, but I think he's going to be their favorite, their favorite prospect in this draft because they love Iowa guys. Um, and he's a complete like weight room monster, and, and his production matches that. Um, would they trade up for Jerry Judy? I mean, I guess. I don't know. I think the, there's enough receiver talent in this class that they don't necessarily need to send away draft capital. But for me, the three guys you probably consider trading up for, if you're not sure they fall to 13, would be Judy, Kinlaw, and Worse.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. I have nothing else to add. Okay. Somebody uh, asked whether Blind Pig or Hen House is a better IPA. I love Blind Pig, but Hen House is out of control. Hen this house year's is good. this year's Hen House is really good.
1: Hen House is really good. Um, the uh the Santa Rosa beer scene is is certainly A-plus. my jam. I don't think yeah. you can go wrong either way.
3: Yeah. No, um, I, I I'm right there with you. I don't want to disparage either one.
1: Yeah, and uh, Russian River has a really good hazy out. I forget the name Ooh. of it right now, but um. It is fantastic. Uh, last night in our in our Zoom happy hour with 49ers Beat writers, I had a a revision Disco Ninja, which is one of my favorites. Revision makes really good sure, stuff. Sure, yeah, Revision's Reno. great. Um, and gosh, any other beer takes? I mean, Cooperage from that, I mean that's my spot in Santa Rosa. Shout out to everybody at Cooperage. Have you ever been
3: to uh, Alvarado Street, Alvarado in Monterey? Street. They make some really good stuff.
1: Oh, in Monterey, interesting. No, yeah. I haven't. Yep. um, I might take a drive this weekend because, I mean, next weekend long, I'm going to hit the draft really hard in terms of content. um, And I don't have to write anything until Monday. So I'm thinking I might just like, because my roommate did this and it's it's kind of inspiring. Um, I don't know if inspiring is the right word for this, but he went on like a six-hour drive the other day just to get out of the house. And I was like, that's a great idea. Like he just went up and down Highway 1 basically almost all the way to San Luis Obispo. And just like checked out the views, and I was like, man, that's that's a good idea because I've spent a lot of time looking at these uh, these eggshell-colored walls in my house, and uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to get out this weekend. So maybe I'll do yeah, that. man, go do that. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our uh, that is our podcast for the weekend. We will be back recording early next week with uh, some super fire NFL draft content. We hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, hope everyone's staying safe, staying inside. And um, doing all they can to to help flatten the curve. I, I, there's been encouraging news this week that um, at least the Bay Area has, has done a really good job in terms of everybody staying home. the, the numbers are starting to show that um, the spread might not be as as widespread as, as people were. Uh, initially fearing so that's good so shout out to everybody staying home and complying with that um, please sub- subscribe rate and review to Candlestick Chronicles and all the other wonderful podcasts on the Blue Wire network including Striking Gold uh, another 49ers pod on here and uh, we will talk to you guys next week
2: From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being.